Welcome back into the Bearcat Bounce podcast here on BearcatJournal.com. Brent Young, Aaron Smith, and we're going to have Mr. Chad Brendel, like always, and a very special guest later on in the pod. I'm going to give you guys updates on how things are going on the football field. That is none other than hype man extraordinaire, past, you know, Joe Exotic enthusiast Brady Collins will be joining the BBP, the first guest on the BBP. It's going to be a big one. We're, we're, we're entering without any, uh, any, you know, no warm up. This is, this is the big show right off the bat. So Aaron, I, I, I hope you're ready. I can't How wait. I'm so excited about this interview. <laughs> I know you are. I know you are. You know, one thing that doesn't bring too much excitement right now is another week of no Bearcats basketball. Now, I don't know about you, Aaron. Every single fan that I know, for the most part, definitely grew up loving football, but they were diehards when it came to the basketball side of things. Even though the team is struggling at this point of the year, even though the team seems to be not, not having too many things going their way, whether it be on the court, now currently off the court, this, this stretch without Bearcat basketball has become unbearable for me. And I know there are some of those fans out there that are okay with it because of the struggles, but th- for me, simply, it has been unbearable. I need Bearcat basketball back in my life, but sadly... And, and to no reason of their own, no fault of their own, another week will pass without Bearcat basketball unless something crazy happens, which it will not. So here we are. This is this is basketball in, in 2021. It's been dreadful. It's been frustrating. Uh, I don't know that anyone's seen – I don't know that anyone in the basketball hemisphere has seen a delay of this magnitude. Uh, certainly, I don't believe that anybody missed this many games consecutively in football either, for that matter. Uh, there were some some close Except ones. Except for the national champion, UConn. <laughs> they had quite the layoff. I mean, if you're doing that, I guess you could do the entire Ivy League, too. <laughs> right, I mean, right. Um, in any case, it's, uh, you know, it, it's, it's, it's horrible. You hate to see it. You wonder how much of it is even worth it at this point um, across the landscape, um, how much of it is, is for the kids versus the dollar. But uh, I digress. That, that's for other people to make those decisions that are in higher pay wages. But you can't help but wonder it. Uh, but in any case, no, to your point, you know, we, it's, a, it's a young team that needs the experience on the court, that needs the time together to gel. And without the time either practicing or on the court during games, you just wonder how much maturation this young squad is actually going to have after this season. You know, and, and it's so strange because it's – almost as if you are constantly in a wait and see approach. You can't, can't start to even imagine who's going to be next on the schedule. You know, what, what to expect by the players when they do re-enter onto the court and things of that sort. And I mean, you even saw, you know, it, at Michigan, the entire athletic department shut down because a new strand of, of the virus was found within there with one player, one, one athlete at can the I, school. Can I ask something about that though? Yes. When did we get testing for this new strand? I, yeah, I, that that is a question for people that have a lot more schooling than I do. <laughs> I didn't know anything about testing for this new strand. I, I would assume 
maybe that it's it's the same testing. I, I don't know though. It, I yeah. just found that to be the, my first initial reaction to seeing that news of the full shutdown is w when did we get testing for such a, a strand? Yeah, it, 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 but the thing is this, they, they shut down the entire athletic department and, and athletes are, are, are already pushing back. You know, it, it is the first case in the entire state and it is in the athletic program. So you gotta, you know, you have to constantly put the, the health and the safety of the players first and foremost. So that part's understandable because that is how it should be. No mm -hmm. matter how hard it is to stomach for, you know, any fans out there, any media members who are just thirsty for content. But then you see, you know, a, another article uh, from, from Matt Norlander coming out of CBS Sports just mentioning, hey, a, a, a potential complete shutdown or, or long delay might, might be on the horizon for college basketball. And it truly just shows you no one has the true forecast. No one has the exact answers. Right now it's just – it is simply a wait-and-see approach and as we saw with football, it could be extremely devastating for the entire team. And you just have to take a step back and you have to think about the, the personal side of things rather than the sports side of things and just hope that every, everyone is all right. Just hope that everything surrounding the, the program and, and everything going on behind the scenes is simply OK, because right now it's it's something that's unheard of that no one has even gone through up to this point. Well, and I wonder if, you know, behind the scenes, if the conferences are trying to get together to figure out, like, individually or collectively, how they can manage to salvage the rest of this season, what measures can be taken to try and get some games played, because we know we're not the only team that, that's having these types of issues. So right. I'm just kind of, you know, obviously, you know, Michigan being probably the, the biggest one out there at this point that's having, you know, some serious, serious issues with a full shutdown like that. But, you know, I just wonder again, you know, if there's going to be anything that we see here coming up in the next, you know, in the next few days, in the next few weeks where you see, you know, we've seen some scheduling changes uh, to where they try and make sure the teams that haven't been canceled can get some games in while teams like Cincinnati have been awaiting, uh, you know, to get back out on the court. But I wonder if that's going to be the uh, extent of it, or if we're going to see some more type of like weekend bubbles where you just try and get a, a home and home, even though you don't have a, an actual true home and home or something of that nature. Right. You know, so, so take this for instance, Aaron, the team that Cincinnati will be playing, hopefully when they do return from this next would be on Thursday, February 4th versus Temple. Temple has played seven games so far this season up to this point in the year. Seven games. Radford is playing tonight. Guess what number game they are playing on tonight's slate? I don't game know. number 18. That's, that's insane. Temple has played seven games up to this point. Radford is playing game number 18 tonight. It, you know, it's just... It's going to be confusing. It's going to be frustrating. It's going to be difficult for the selection committee to really look at all these teams when it comes to that point. But at this point, right now, if you are a Bearcat fan, you want to see the games being played. You know, and, and in the future, if you just take a look at the Bearcat schedule, if you're trying to squeeze extra games in, you know, they do have a couple where a, a Sunday game is followed by a Thursday game. So I don't know if you want to squeeze a Tuesday game in there. But the only long layoff that they have coming up on the schedule would be Sunday when they play UCF at home and then 
they have a week off and play Sunday, February 21st. So it's February 14th versus UCF, February 21st versus Houston. The only other team that really fits that they had to postpone the game for is Temple. So Temple would maybe be able to possibly squeeze in a game there. But either way you slice it, you want to have Bearcat basketball back, but you need to start to adjust your expectations when they do return to the court. And, yep. and Aaron, I, I pose the question to you. We kind of touched on it a bit last week. What are your new adjusted expectations for the team? You know, what, what exactly do you want to see when they do finally return to play? For me, I mean, before I even answer that question, I did want to say, uh, as you look at rescheduling, you also have to consider winter midterms because they're not just athletes. They're also yep. students. So that's just something else that you have to consider in, in the rescheduling of all of this. Um, that said, though, uh, things that I'm looking for that I want to see, I mean, we kind of touched on some of this last week, but I still want to see the evolution of this new Zach Harvey because anytime I feel like over the course of the last couple of games that we have seen, I know it's been you know three weeks since we've seen any actual on-court action, uh, but anytime he is with the ball in hand, it's kind of exciting. And right. that's, that's kind of something that I'd like to continue to see. I'd like to see if vote can continue to capitalize on his minutes, the way that we saw late in the game, uh, the last game that we got to see, right. uh, I would like to see, you know, some of the freshmen continue to figure out their roles. Uh, I'd like to see, you know, Mikey Saunders perhaps not be so scared to shoot the ball when the ball is in his hands. Well, I do love the way that he, you know, can dish the ball. I'd also like to see a little bit more confidence when he has the ball and take an open shot. If he has an open look, like if you're the open guy, that's because there's a double team somewhere else. So don't be afraid to take that shot. And as of right now, you, you can almost leave Mikey Saunders open because he, he's just not shooting the ball. Um, so those are just some of the things that I, I can think of off the top of my head that I'd like to continue to see. What about yourself? Well, you, you know, so kind of picking back off what you said, every beginning of a new era with coaches, you really need to have a player that kind of leads you and, and a player that kind of ushers in your new system, ushers in the new style of play that you're going for. And, you know, I, I want to see, yes, I want to see a, a great closing of the book to the careers of Keith Williams and to the careers of Chris Vogt. I want to see the starting of a new story with Tari Eason and with Zach Harvey. I, I want to see those two players kind of take on a new complete role where they feel like the go-to player, you know, Tari making the, the right decisions, staying out of foul trouble, Harvey continuing to be as aggressive as he has been and even taking it to the next level with his aggressiveness, you know, double digit shots in every game from here on out when available. And I want to see more minutes as well for Harvey, because I think he has a chance to be that player next year where you're saying, okay, the, the Bearcats could have a good season because they have Zach Harvey and Tari Eason coming back into the fold next year. So, you know, a closing of the book for the seniors, just a strong finish for them, whether it be wins or whether it just be, you know, great moments that you remember closing out the season for both Keith Williams and, and Chris Vogt. But, you know, of course, I want to see the youngsters, you know, more run for Mikey Saunders, like you said, more more run for Mason Matson. Just just simply get them in the flow of things. And maybe David DeJulius taking that next up. So I guess we want to see everything, every single thing possible we want to see. Because I guess we just want to see them back on the court. Because this layoff has it's, it's brought back into mind what we're going through currently. But this layoff has also just shown – you know, this team 
it was starting to mesh a tiny bit. There, there was a little bit of mesh well, in the SMU that, game. That had everything to do with, you know, running out the small lineup. And I want to continue to see the evolution right. of, of the, the smaller lineup as well. Yeah, it, you know, we were well on our way to seeing my prediction of five out of six wins in that stretch, if not for the the tough drought against Come uh, on, man. against Wichita State. I know, I know. <laughs> I'm semi-joking there, but but they had a stretch where they played three straight games. You got ECU, Tulane, and Temple. Now those are those are in the rearview mirror now, and you got to start completely anew. And the hope is just now to get the team back on the court and see any semblance of of a coming together, which is going to be difficult because when you're shut down, you're completely shut down. And you know, it from from what I understand, they when they try and go back to to practice or or back to team activities, it's just you know, like we've seen constantly on Twitter from Chad and and, and from other people just simply saying. You know, it, it just seems like they are ready to get going again, and then another sad occurrence happens, and they have to fall back. So here's a hope to just pushing forward and, and having the ability to really kind of bring it all together and hopefully come back and have a strong February and, and, and a great finish to the season with possibly some magic happening where you start to say, wow, things are heading in the right direction for the John Brandon era. Well, and I don't know – I honestly have no idea how many times they've practiced in this entire layoff. Um, Cause I believe at some point they were able to practice together. I don't know how many practices that actually looked like, um, but you know, it's, it's just, it's not even like they're even doing that. So there is no like growth during this time. Uh, unfortunately. Yeah. Hey, here's the thing. First and foremost, most important, and we've already stated it is the health and the well-being of everyone involved with the program. And, you know, you kind of saw that in the message from UC Athletics, just simply saying, you know, Which the, the, the health I and safety, go ahead. I yeah. appreciated the hell out of that, by the way. Like they didn't even have to do that, but it was like, right. it was finally just a, an admission of, hey, uh, we did want to update you on what is even going on with the state of the program. So just, hey, we're still here. Thanks, thanks for paying attention. Here's yeah. as much as we can give you by HIPAA rules and regulations and what have you. Yeah, you know, and, and there was a, a John Brannon uh, Zoom press conference scheduled today. Then the news came out about this game, uh, the Wichita State game on Wednesday. And, and, and before you know it, the, you know, that put things in the, in the backseat again. So, yes, as you mentioned, just great for, for UC Athletics to just give some sort of, a, a, of an update, some sort of a listen – we all understand that you're seeing this and, and probably frustrated at this point, but Hey, the health and safety of the student athletes, coaches and staff remains the department's primary focus. And we continue to salute the work of our athletics medical staff. I, they could have, you know, they could have said just that last sentence and gone from there, but you know, just really good to hear from them and kind of just say, okay, listen, we know we're going through struggles, but Hey, things will get back to normal. We hope. So continue to stay with us. And get going because I, you know, even though the struggles are there, Aaron, it's still Bearcat basketball. We all still love it, whether you love to hate it at times or or you love to love it. We're all here. Just can't wait to see it come back. And hopefully, on February fourth, it will be back with Temple at home. And you know, I I don't know that I, I think I speak for the entirety of Bearcat Nation just saying that we can't wait to see something 
I mean, even even watching losses is still something. Yeah. So. Right. And and like I said, this team just needs to get on the court. They need yeah. reps. They need reps. They need the ability to get continuity going between them. So that is the hope as of now. But one thing that is still constantly booming, if you will, that has been really churning in the right direction, and we will have Brady Collins on in in a in a bit to continue to further emphasize the off season and things to look for their storylines along those lines. And it's a football program. It, it seems as if right now they are continuing to click on all cylinders. The whole defensive coordinator situation is somewhat in the rearview mirror. No exact hire has been made, but we talked about it in complete fullness last week about you know the the arrival of Mike Tressel and things of that, the potential arrival, if you will. Well, it but the Michigan State released that uh, he was gone to Cincinnati. None of that hurts either. <laughs> right. Even though so, nothing's officially official. Yes, writing is on the walls. Just just give it a couple weeks. But one thing that we can officially say is that Mike Denbrock will be staying as offensive coordinator. Aaron Smith knee-jerk reactions to Denbrock back again. I don't understand at this point in time what the – disregard for Mike Denbrock is right um I know obviously he's not a, a flashy name or anything like that but if you look at his entire body of work since the time he's been here as a as a as a staple in Luke Fickle's you know staffing where is where's the issue I, I literally don't understand at this point where the issue is would you like me to explain please do tell dad they can't complain about Luke Fickle right Right. There, there was nothing to complain about with Marcus Freeman. So then you have to complain about something because that's what people do in today's day and age. They have to have something. They can't just be happy. They have to have something to complain to about. To piss and moan about, sure. And, and unfortunately, and then, Brock becomes a scapegoat for no and reason. And then well, it was Dez, right? Until it wasn't. And, and then Dez got good. So it couldn't be Dez anymore. So it has to fall somewhere. I think he's you know? been fantastic for the program. So my knee-jerk reaction about him staying is continuity right now, especially coming off the season we just came off of, is nothing but a good thing. So in my humble opinion, Mike Denbrock is the guy until he isn't. And good for Fickle for keeping his guys here. Yes. And so kind of going back to the, the frustration – was evident through the first three games this season. And you could kind of say maybe it was warranted somewhat. I, you know, you weren't really facing a gauntlet in Austin P army in South Florida at home army ended up being a good team, but you know, you, you do look against South Florida. There were numerous turnovers, the, the, the four, the, pardon me, three interceptions, one fumble, four total turnovers. I, I mean, you're looking through the first three games Cincinnati sitting there with six total turnovers, you know, the, the passing game wasn't quite there. And yes, you kind of looked at, at Desmond Ritter and the, uh, the lack of connectivity and the lack of, you know, just connection that the, that him and his receivers had. And at the time it was warranted. So not to right. take anything away from, you know, the, the grumbling or the, the peanut gallery, if you will, but it was, it was warranted. I mean, it, he wasn't right. firing on all cylinders. Like we got to see in the, know the last three quarters of the season yes yeah exactly so so then you have that long layoff and and honestly looking back on the season i think it is a a big blessing in disguise to not return off of a bye week and face 
the defense that Tulsa was going to be having on their homecoming day. I, I do think that would have been a win for the Bearcats, but it's going to be a lot more difficult than going up against the defense that SMU put out. But what you saw coming out of that long layoff, you know, of course the bye followed by the, the COVID postponement of that Tulsa game, the first postponement, but you saw just Mike Denbrock probably sat down in a room with Desmond Ritter said, listen, what exactly are you seeing that you feel most comfortable about? SMU gives up a bunch of rushing yardage. You're going to play Houston, pardon me, Memphis next week, who gives up a bunch of passing yardage. Let's set up a game plan that's going to get you most comfortable with the football in your hands. We're going to get you passing in the beginning to open up the rushing lanes for you. And then you're going to go out and you're going to just, you know, break, you know, tie the school record for, for longest rush in program history and start the continuation of a, of a fantastic close to the season. Because it seemed like it was just Mike Denbrock figuring out the best ways to put Desmond Ritter in the greatest situations to succeed. And when you're able to do that, you're a pretty doggone good coach. And I think a lot of it was Desmond Ritter doing his thing, but a lot of it was also Mike Denbrock saying, hey, this is what we're going to do in this game to have the greatest success. Well, and let's not forget about one of the things that we've talked about very often on this podcast, which is the complete revamp of the entire wide receivers room, right. which he had a huge hand in, not yep. to mention the fact that all these tight ends that we're getting in, people like to call Cincinnati tight end you. It is. Who's had a hand in a lot of that, especially in recent success with a guy like Josh Wiley. Um, I think DeGuar was already here before Denbrock got here, but even still, I mean, just the development of DeGuara, uh, not to mention, you know, bringing in Hudson. Like, these are all things that he has his fingerprints on. Like, these are the things that he helped you do here with the program. So for all the hate that I feel like this guy gets, I, I just, I still can't help but feel like it's completely unwarranted. Yeah. And, and, you know, this will be the first season next year, I feel like, where Mike Denbrock will have a, a complete understanding of his quarterback. Well, his quarterback does extremely well. The wide receiver room, as you mentioned. You think it's the first season, though? Like, last year, I would think he he still knows what Ritter's body of work is. Yes, but – yes, last year, of course. But as you mentioned already, the the complete infiltration of the entire revamping of the wide receiver room with the difficulties of Alec Pierce going through multiple injuries and and having to rehab through that, not be quite available for – Desmond Ritter throughout those first few games and for Mike Denbrock. Okay. You kind of saw just, you know, not really too much of a flow in the offensive side. And of course, you know, no Michael Warren either. That's a a, a gaping loss when you're, when you, you were really focusing on getting Michael Warren going and, and he was, you know, one of the greatest tailbacks in, in Cincinnati program history. So, you know, yes, all those new pieces, once they were able to get it figured out, that's when Denbrock was able to see it. I think this is the first season where you're going into the year knowing, hey, you know, this is when Michael Young Jr. is going to be really on. Hey, Alec Pierce can get this deep ball. If we if we run that little play out into the flat that we love, we've got Josh Wiley there who's fantastic. Lenny's going to take the next step. Different different things like that. And then, of course, Desmond Ritter orchestrating it all, get the left tackle situation figured out. And Mike Denbrock finally has all the pieces and the puzzle that someone already made as he heads into the season instead of saying, okay, well, we think we had this with Jordan Jones. We might have this with Jay Sean Jackson and, and Trey Tucker last year. Now this year, you know what you have going I into think, the season. 
I think I'm actually probably most excited to see what Denbrock does. A with I, I still think we need to feature the tight ends more. Um, I've right. been beating that drum since you know very early on in the season, very early yeah. on in our our podcast history. Right. Um, but also uh, just to see what he actually does with the. Uh, you know, we know we have what we have in Jerome Ford. I think we have at least an idea, a pretty good idea yeah. of what we have in Jerome Ford. Um, yep. But I think I'm most excited to see what he does with the running backs this year as after Jerome Ford, there's just a lot of question marks. Yeah. And, you know, I, I think that would be the biggest question mark outside of left tackle, obviously. So it will and right tackle, both tackles for that part. But yeah, Jerome Ford showed us that he has burst. Unlike what we've seen out of the backfield, you know, Charles McClellan had that. You hope that he can bring that back with his rehab. You know, but Jerome Ford might bring that game-breaking ability. And I'm really excited, like you said, to see exactly what he tinkers with in that running back room, which kind of a great segue by you. I don't know if you meant to do it, but the running backs coach. You're it's still It's still yet filled. You have the option, of course, two names that we've kind of – heard being tossed around and that's, you know, Mike Daniels. And of course you have Armand Benz really coming onto the scene. Um, so two good options. I think, you know, obviously you have a, a player, two former players, Mike Daniels, who has a great connection with the high schools around the area. And then of course, Armand Benz, who is a legend in, in Cincinnati football history and one that has had quite the upbringing and coaching as well at Notre Dame also on staff with Cincinnati. So both would be home run hires. Both will be able to connect with recruits. I just think, you know, obviously you're in a pretty doggone good spot there. And even if another name arises, then, then so be it and see what you can make of it. But well, I think the it, running back coach is kind of the only one left. I think at this point though, we, we trust the process with Luke Fickle. Yeah. He's been involved in not just the hiring of his own staff, but also the hiring of other head coaches uh, right. in the Bearcats athletic organization. So I, I think we all understand that he's going to make a good decision, whatever that decision ends up being. Yeah. And, and then of course that brings us back to the man, the, the main man in this all, the orchestrator of the Bearcats, if you will. And at this time last year, you know, it was, it was simply what is going to happen with Luke Fickle? Are those his shoes underneath that airplane? February 9th was the exact <laughs> date of that was shoe day. We're going to call it shoe day. It's going to go down in, in lore. People Googling Luke Fickle shoes, finding pictures of Luke Fickle that with Google, those said shoes on. That Google search is only going to turn up your name. It, it, it's crazy. It, it is simply crazy. Shoe day, February 9th, February 10th, Luke Fickle announces he is staying to be the head coach of the Bearcats. I only mention this because you have seen Luke Fickle's name tossed around at the Tennessee open spot, which is understandable because the new Tennessee athletic director is Danny White of Central Florida lore, who my favorite thing is he built a lazy river going throughout campus, which, I mean, if you're from Florida and you go to Central Florida and, and you see a lazy river going through campus, I mean, Aaron, that's that's something pretty cool right there within itself. Absolutely. I mean, a lazy river. Come on. So I love now, a good lazy river. I mean, let's be honest. People that don't like swimming and pee. Yes. Come I was going to say, the, the only bad thing about a lazy river is if you have to go to the bathroom, 
because there's only one entrance and one exit. So if you if you've got to go, hey man, <laughs> sometimes you got to go. Right, Chad? When, when in Rome? I, I'm not a big I'm not a big lazy river guy. It's not it's not really my thing. I Bra so Brady, this, Brady Brady Brady, what are your thoughts on the lazy river? <laughs> I just jumped into this. So what what is the uh, the context? There here? is no context. Picture a lazy river. You're on a tube. Are you in? Or are you out? I'm in. There you go. There you go. Uh, the context was was Danny White, the old AD at UCF. My favorite thing he did at, at Central Florida was was put in the Lazy River. Oh, that's right. That's right. So so now he's at Tennessee. But is, is he going to put a Lazy River in Knoxville? Might be a lazy uh, toboggan sled location. Yeah. But who knows? Who knows? They already, they already got a river, don't they? They do. They do. I don't know if you want to be, be lazy <laughs> in that one. Yeah, I don't know how lazy it is. <laughs> if you can't tell, we're now joined by UC Director of Sports Performance, Brady Collins. Brady and I were uh, were exchanging a few text messages, and I was like, hey, let's just take it to the podcast. <laughs> no doubt. You know, it's much easier this way. And I've had, you know, the first thing I was asked, I put up my list of uh, of of five young guys I thought could have an impact on defense. And the first question is, what do they all weigh? What, 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 how are they looking in the offseason performance? What yeah. better way than to bring on Brady Collins and find out how things are going? You've had, what, two weeks now with the guys back on campus? Yep. Uh, last week was a discretionary week for us, which is always good. We kind of always use that week to kind of just, you know, set our numbers, get back into the flow of things so that when we officially started today, it's not like a shock to them. So uh, we had, you know, 100% attendance all last week and then, Everybody was there rocking and rolling today, and it was a great, great first day and, you know, official kickoff, even though we did start last week. And it was a, a, a pleasure today, I'll say that. There's nothing you love more than that first day back after, like, three weeks off, is there? There's nothing. Yeah, I mean, I mean, no doubt the kids, you know, they need the break, but no doubt we all do as well. Um, you know, sometimes it's good to – get away from, you know, people you've been around for almost, you know, half a year, but, you know, after about, I'd say, what, 24 hours after the game, I was ready. <laughs> so I, I think Thick and I were in the office the next day and, you know, it was getting ready for 21 and, you know, here we are. We'll get to the first name that you mentioned to me, Josh Wiley. Yep. You, 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 the next Travis Kelsey, as you call him. Yes. Uh, it's up to two. Hell of a, what do you say? Hell of a statement. I said it's a, a bold, bold statement. Well, you know, I mean, it's easy to use the comparison to, uh, you know, to look at Travis's game and not be amazed when, you know, you watch him play. And obviously the former Bearcat, it's always great seeing all the, you know, notoriety that they provide on TV. And, and that just brings more attention to our guys and all that. But I mean, the correlations there, the comparisons are there. Um, you know, I mean, they're both, you know, six, five plus Josh is six, seven. It's pushing 240 right now, and the goal is going to be, you know, 250, and he'll easily get to that. And, you know, he's the biggest, strongest, and healthiest he's ever been, and he's in the zone right now. Yeah, when it came to Wiley, it seemed like there was his health that was the main kind of thing needed to get on path. Is that what he's continued to bring in to this offseason as well, is just a focus on, on getting the body to the point where he can be healthy for another full season? Yeah, I think that's the big thing. You know, obviously his first camp, he came in, he was making plays and wowing us and, you know, goes for a one-hand 
in the corner of the end zone and lands awkwardly on his shoulder. And, you know, I mean, obviously you hate to see that, but he was, he was young. It was still kind of skinny, but, you know, growing into his body, like all these kids are still doing. And, uh, you know, to, uh, to the staff's credit, like, you know, coach Denbrock always wanted him to kind of be the tweener because, you know, they split him out wide, maybe use him in wide receiver packages and all that. And, you know, you had Josiah DeGuar, who was 243 pounds. Bruno was 250. Lenny's 250. Lenny's now, not 250. Come on. Well, he's 250 and then some, but. Uh, <laughs> Just get away but, from the left tackle, right? Is that still the case? No. no. <laughs> Lenny's, Lenny's too athletic and too special for that. There we but, go. I think, I think that was Ferg that said that. Get busting yeah. his, bust yeah. his chops one day. Ferg told him he was a biscuit away from left tackle. Yeah. Yeah, no, like, like good where he's at. We're good there. But, uh, yeah, and I think it's just, you know, the uh, the culmination of, you know, it's time now, you know. I mean, a lot of people have uh, not waited their turn, but, you know, played and made a name. And, you know, now you look at uh, the position that Josh is in. I mean, he could take this thing and take it as far as he wants. And um, we're all excited to see, you know, what could come of it. Speaking of it's time. Obviously, the big story, one of the biggest stories of the offseason for the Bearcats is Desmond Ritter coming back next year. What is what is it that you want to see kind of in the offseason that takes him to that next final level? It's crazy because Des, I mean, Des is an absolute warrior. You know, he always is internally motivated and also externally motivated by the guys that are around him. Um, I think what's just so impressive, I mean, obviously the guys that came back, yes, they did it for – you know, some individual reasons and all that stuff, but it's also because, you know, they want to leave a legacy. I mean, Dez doesn't want to just be a draft. He wants to be the best. Uh, Dez doesn't want to just leave, you know, as the winningest college quarterback in history. He wants to do, like just break everything. And he wants to take this team and program to another level. And, you know, that's just impressive, but you know, with Dez, it's always, you know, every off season we build his, his body, get him a little bit bigger. Um, and then, you know, we get to camp and, Camp just kind of hits him because, you know, he's, he's practicing, he's studying, he's watching film, he's resting, all that. And it's like, you know, so for him, it's just kind of changing a little bit of his diet, changing the way we train, um, still training the way we do, but just kind of tweaking some things and, you know, really focusing on, um, you know, just little areas that we can improve. And, you know, through the first two weeks, it's been great. He's, he's, he's kicking butt and, you know, putting on good weight. And now the goal is just to hold it and, you know, continue to impact others and definitely uh, rub off on Evan Prater. I was going to say, one of the things that I had heard about Evan Prater is that he came in entirely too small to even be considered in the role. So is that something that you've been having to work on with him just hardcore since he's been under your wing, if you will? <laughs> yeah. I mean, you know, a lot of these kids, they come in, they think they can play right away and some can, but, you know, like I said, the, these young bodies are still developing. They're still growing. I mean, everybody, you know, can't forget that Des was only like six, one and a half when he got here. And, uh, you know, Evan came in though. He came in with the right mindset, came in with the right attitude, great worth that could, um, was the leader of that class for sure. And obviously, you know, came in in the summer with all the COVID, you know, protocols and all that stuff. So did they get a real, you know, UC football Bearcat, um, you know, summer intro, Yes and no, not the full taste, but, you know, did a really good job. Uh, I mean, he came in 170 pounds soaking wet and, you know, he's 200 now. So just got to keep building them. Nice. How much of that is hair? Uh, probably about three pounds. 
take, take us into my Jay. Um, my Jay is always at one that you've, when he goes home, somehow he magically loses like 20 pounds. Yeah. <laughs> um, how, what's the plan to get him up in that, you know, 250, 260 range and, and keep him there through this season? Because I think that's what, what you know, what, what the NFL looks at. They're not looking at 235 pound edge rushers. They want, they want to see a little bit more meat on his bones. Yeah. And Maji and Dez are very similar. They both have, you know, some of the highest metabolism I've ever seen. But then you look at just who they are on the field and off. I mean, they, they only have one speed and it's 100 miles an hour. So tie that in with the high metabolism. They're just burning nonstop. And again, like most young kids and even them now as they're older, you still don't understand just how much you have to eat. So not only just educating them, but getting them on a legit plan, um, working with a nutritionist that, you know, is really going to fine tune things for them, not just because you have this frame and you could be this weight because, you know, we all saw it when Maje first got here and he came in 208 and then he got up to 260. And well, why is that? That was his first year. He was playing a little bit, still practicing, but all he did was eat and lift weights, you know, add in the stressors of college and all this other stuff. And then, you know, like I said, he practices just so hard. Like, you know, if we do any sports science data on the load and like, you know, his, his caloric outtake and all that, I mean, it's, it's like some of the most ridiculous ones I've seen, but you know, again, he's kind of like a Des, just tweaking some of the ways that we train him, you know, maybe not taxing him uh, full throttle on certain days and letting him recover fully and, you know, changing some of his eating habits. And, um, but he's, you know, he's another guy, he's on the trend up too. And, you know, they're motivated by that goal. They know, you know, I mean, basically those two guys, it's, it's a big part of their next level, no doubt for us as a program and them as individuals for the next level. But, um, you know, like I said, through the first two weeks, it's been great. And we just got to keep it rolling. I just one of those guys that you, you made him eat like six meals, seven meals a day at higher ground. Right. Yeah. You, and my, my Jay's such a good dude. He'll, he'll eat what, I mean, he'll do what you want him to do. He understands how benefit it is for him. And like you said, when he does go home, yeah, I mean, he, he can kind of get a little lax of days going. It's not because he's just not thinking, but it's because it's like he I, needs 10,000 calories a day. He's a lot. <laughs> you know, Co- Coach and I are on the same page. We always, we're always more fearful when we're not around our guys. And that's not because we don't trust them. It's just because we're around them so much. We know them, we love them, we're there for them. And, you know, but, it's uh, it's big maturity steps for these guys, and I know Maji's all about it. Who have you been most excited to get your hands back on in the last two weeks that you've been back in the weight rooms with all these guys? Oh man, everybody! I mean, <laughs> uh, I, I mean, no, obviously, you know, Wiley stands out. Beavers, uh, Beavers is on a mission. You know, he, uh, you know, he got to us from UConn, and I always used to mess with them. You know, say that UConn body ain't gonna fly here, and uh, you know, he's. Really- <laughs> He's really attacked his training. Um, you know, with him, it's just about just being nastier. I mean, God blessed you with an unbelievable body. Let's just train nasty, see where you can go. And he had a shirt off uh, today when we were doing arms at the end of the workout. And I was just like, good Lord, you should probably never put that shirt back on because you look good. Um, <laughs> but Don't tell us that, shirt. Brady. Don't tell uh, us that. <laughs> I know. Um, I mean, Something are, you'll never say to me. No. Yeah. Put the shirt back on, Chad. Put it back on. That can be said for any of us, really. (laughs) You know, I mean, I'm just excited. I mean, the young guys, I think, you know, for them to kind of be like in a full winter now and, you know, they're with the older guys because in season they were training, you know, 
different groups, small groups, spread out, all that kind of stuff. So now to, to be around all the guys and see how the older guys go and to be pushed by them. And, you know, like I'm excited in, uh, in that D line group, you know, you got Maje, but training, training with Maje, you got, you know, young Justin, Justin Watley, who's, you know, on the cusp of doing something great and what better way than to work out with Maj. Um, you got that big transfer, Juwan Briggs, who's a big human being and strong as an ox. And he's working out, you know, with Malik Vans and the Curtis Brookses and all them. And um, it's just, it's exciting. I mean, you know, all the whiteouts are back. That's exciting. They're all hungry. The DBs, I mean, I could go on forever. <laughs> you know, one thing about uh, the program is that they've, they've had the back-to-back true freshmen get All-American honors and, and get All-American looks. Uh, you know, one that we're going to talk about later, it's, it's in, in a mailbag on, on this podcast, is you know, who who is the next true freshman? And my my answer to that was going to be a current rake that you guys have in the specialty room. That's that's the new punter coming in, that's and, right. and Mason Fletcher. But you know, kind of just all the early enrollees, how how they looked in the early process in the early couple of weeks. Yeah, well, the uh, the Aussie from down under has already put on like twenty five pounds. Again, yeah. when you eat and eat and eat and take the protein shakes and all that, but he's still skinny. I mean, he's six seven. He's so tall, but he's doing really good. Yep, he could uh, easily be up there. I mean, it's still so early to to see who could be one of those. Again, there'll be more in the summer coming, but um, they've all come in. I mean, great attitudes, great work ethics. Um, you know, been really impressed with Will Pauling, Byron Threats. Um, you know, Malik Rainey. Those are good looking kids. And then the two big O linemen. I mean, Landon. Um, he's looking good. Uh, Mal Glenn. You know, they're just really coachable kids, excited, eager to, to learn, eager to impress, even though they probably don't know as much yet. And, you know, they got to go through the trials and tribulations, but it's a good group. Mal Gwen looks like a dream for you. That kid's built out of granite. <laughs> well, he came in a little lighter than I expected, but yes, he's a good kid. <laughs> <laughs> did you hear Jimmy say that, did you hear Jimmy give a scouting report on Mason Fletcher where the rake line came from? I, I was listening to uh, that pod on my drive into work the other day. And then I think as soon as I got in, I, I was, I was in train mode though, but uh, no, that's a good comparison because yeah, I mean, but it's funny because I showed Mason, I said, look, this is what Jimmy looked like when he got here. Jimmy was skinny too, but I mean, Jimmy was a different uh, breed. He would train with the linebackers, the tight ends, and he'd go pound for pound with them. I mean, he was just a complete, I mean, dog. He wanted to be a linebacker or a tight end. He <laughs> thought he, he was. He, he thought he was, no doubt. Um, you know, he had his glory in the bowl game there, running that little fake. <laughs> so who is your favorite story of the guys that are going into the NFL draft this year uh, and where they were versus – This is easy. I already know this. I already know this answer. Yeah. It's his, it's his favorite. There's not one guy that's been your favorite guy since you got here? I mean, Derek? Yeah. I mean, I'm, yeah, I mean, but a favorite story. I mean, I mean, yes. I mean, I, I mean, the, the things that Derek did for our football program, but no doubt just inside the weight room. I mean, he, he made me, you know, he, he gave me the easiest job. He was an extension of myself. I mean, he could have trained with anybody. He could have been coached by anybody and he would have done it the exact same way. And no doubt I'm happy to hear he's doing well. And I know he's going to do really well at the next level. He'll be a guy that'll play for years. Um, but I'm really, I'm, I'm excited for all of them. I mean, again, every kid's story is so unique 
and uh, you know, you look back on just what they went through here, you know, the ups and the downs, a lot of ups, obviously the past couple of years. And, um, you know, like, like Jared Dokes fighting through, you know, multiple injuries here and there, but never letting them get him down and always fighting. Um, a guy like James Hudson, who transferred in and had to sit out a year, but just kept grinding and getting better and getting bigger in the weight room. Um, Wiggins, another guy, you know, fought through adversity with an injury and then fought back. You know, it's just, uh, it's exciting to see all those guys. I mean, Jarrell, local kid that, you know, everybody said, you know, you can't play, you're too small, all that stuff. And he just compete his butt off. And obviously Big Jimmy. I mean, Jimmy's probably be the first punter, I don't know, drafted or first one taken, I'm sure. What, what was your reaction when you found out that Wiggins jumped down a flight of steps and messed up his knee a second time? Um, <laughs> my heart stopped, but um, no, it was just kind of, I was like, are you serious? Like, really? I'm like, what happened? Like, tell me the real story. He's like, no, coach, I'm serious. I fell down some steps. And I was just like, yep, the freakiest guy on the team just falls down steps. All right. <laughs> Brady, speaking good. No, as you're saying, but he recovered fast like you always do. I mean, him and Chuck are like, they should pray to the gods and obviously thank their families for their genetics. I mean, Chuck's Chuck's full go now. I mean, he looks unbelievable. Really? Okay, cool. Cool. What? Now, speaking about freaky, you know, you've, you've coached at the highest level for a long time. What was it like seeing Cincinnati going up against Georgia out on the field? How, you know, what, how did the speed and the strength compare between the cream of the crop and the SEC and the cream of the crop with Cincinnati? Yeah, I mean, I'm not going to lie. Like, a part of you, you know, I, I, was I proud? Of course. But, like, I'm always proud. And, again, I don't care who we're playing. Every time we're that field, I'm going to take our guys against anybody else. That's just kind of, you know, my mindset. And I trust those guys. And I've seen them work. And I know how, you know, how, how close they all are, how that locker room is. Um, but no doubt, you know, seeing the way we, we fought and, you know, took it to them. I mean, if you ask me, we're the most physical team that game. And then obviously, you know, we just didn't, we didn't finish. We didn't take care of certain things. And that's a big motivation for us. But um, yeah, I mean, I'm extremely proud of those guys. Again, you know, just the culture, the locker room, those guys, you put the ball down anywhere, anytime. And trust me, they're going to go. And then, so is that just the craziest situation where now you have these sixth year seniors kind of unprecedented, coming back with that extra chip on their shoulder with all those returners, you know, DeBlanco and, and Beavers and, and Brooks and all them. Is this something that you've kind of never really had the luxury of having all these high level players coming back for that extra year? Yeah, I mean, definitely. I mean, you know, you've had fifth year guys and stuff like that, but I mean, it, it or a guy that maybe, you know, gets another year because of a medical waiver, like a Ferg um, or a Garrett Campbell back in the day. But yeah, I mean, if anything, it just it, it makes us better. It challenges me as a coach. It challenges all of our coaches because, you know, coach said it the other day. We, we can't just do the same thing that we did last year and expect to have the same result. Or you can and, you know, you can have a, a good season. Right. We want to have a great season. We want to win every single game. And uh, so that's great because it challenges me. It challenges my staff, the whole program. Um, because, you know, we do every year we do mix things up and change. But, you know, now we really got to focus on still developing our team because the 2021 team is born, you know, in the weight room in the off season right now. And then, you know, it'll come together in the summer and then we go to camp and then, but it's born right now. So it's kind of taking all those pieces of the family. You got your older people, you got the young ones, 
Uh, you got guys that are ready to step up and provide. You got guys that aren't ready, but they could be. And, you know, it's just a fun little um, melting pot and fun way to get them all going. How has that extra year of eligibility challenged you as, you know, guys that maybe you thought may have been gone already or, um, you know, just kind of challenged the entire program really as far as scholarships go and that kind of thing? Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm not – I have no idea about scholarships and all that stuff. Um, you know, I don't, I don't know the numbers game and all that, but, you know, it just – it challenges me because, you know, a guy like Kobe Bryant who's gone through – everything that we've done here and that's made him who he is and he's the ultimate competitor he's the ultimate um human being on and off the field and it's just like all right Kobe like you've never missed a game you know you've missed like maybe one practice where we had to force you to sit out and it's like all right how can we take care of you let's you know instead of uh you know doing this we're going to do this instead of doing that we're going to do this and it's not because that makes you soft or anything no you're still going to work your butt off but it's just going to be a little fine tuned things that we can do. That's going to benefit you in the long run. And uh, you know, it's kind of like, uh, like I say, it's kind of like a light at the end of the tunnel, maybe for some younger guys, because you know, they might be still going through a workout and they'll look over and Kobe Bryant's already drinking his, you know, recovery shake and stretching. And they're like, well, how's he done? And I'm still going. Well, it's because he's earned that. And uh, so it just challenges me and my staff to, you know, to, to think differently, to train differently um, but still keeping the basis of who we are and just, you know, impact others throughout the program that, you know, you, you get to a certain level, there's, there's different levels to it. I know you got some little ones to put to bed, so we won't keep you too much longer, but the wife's I, I, <laughs> geez, this is an excuse, didn't it? <laughs> uh, I, I did as much daddy time as I could. I read about eight books. My voice was already gone. And then <laughs> said, all right, I got them. I said, all right. How surprised were you to, to hear Kobe was coming back? Guys like Kobe and Brooks and Brown. I know those three specifically. Uh, the thought was that, that they might not. And then they kind of surprised everybody with saying, hey, I want to run this back and, and take one more crack at it. Yeah, I mean, you know, I, I had heard things. You always hear things. And uh, I remember it was like one of our last lists before the bowl. You know, I had a bunch of posters made and you know just a bunch of stuff about legacies and all this stuff and uh <clears throat> you know it's just stats like you know we've won 20 straight home games you know how that's never been done and this and that and they're the winningest class in UC football history and this and all that kind of stuff and Kobe was like finishing up and he just looked at me he's like be kind of cool if we did it again wouldn't it and I was like yes it would <laughs> <laughs> but all they had you know they had big decisions to make and you know, I think each one of them made, you know, the decision that was not only the best for themselves, but, you know, obviously their future and no doubt the future of this program, because we're all blessed that they're back. And, you know, it was, it was extremely shocking to see Brooks and Brown. I mean, Brown FaceTimed me on like a Sunday and he told me, and I was like, what? It's like, are you kidding me? <laughs> uh, and then Curtis Brooks followed and, you know, I, I knew uh, Beavers was planning on it because we had, you know, a little plan for uh, the past couple months. And I knew, I knew Joel was thinking about it and uh, you know, it's just, it's exciting. You're, you're blessed. You can't, you know, that's the only word that comes to mind, but no doubt, you know, it's just, just puts a bigger target on our backs, which the kids want and they embrace. Run it back, baby. Run without, it back. Without the, uh, the games coming up every weekend and all that, uh, how often are the, the kids being tested for COVID at this point? And what, what is the COVID whole situation done with your training? 
I mean, you know, obviously when we started back in the summer, we had to do like, you know, small groups, follow the CDC guidelines and, you know, a huge testament to, you know, Bob Mangine, Aaron Hemmler, Dr. Devine, Michelle, all of our training uh, staff and medical support team. I mean, let's face it, there wouldn't have been anything this year for one for them. And yes, it's frustrating. Yes, it's annoying getting your nose swabbed every day and all that stuff. But, you know, again, it was the season of sacrifice and um, the kids did an unbelievable job. We did an unbelievable job. And, you know, um, the testing stuff still kind of going on. Fortunately, you know, some guys don't have to get tested because they're still in a window. Some do. And um, but it's you know, it's kind of one of those things now that the plan's been kind of already you know set in motion for so long that the kids don't even think twice of it now. If anything, they're probably just like, oh, man, got to go get swabbed again. No big deal. It's like brushing their teeth. So one of the uh, big storylines of last offseason was the, the whole TikTok tournament that you coaches went through. You mean uh, the rigged one? The rigged TikTok? The rigged yes, one. yes. Did, did yeah. you end up recounting the votes? Was there any more conspiracy behind that, or is that just gone in the wind now? It's gone. It's We don't talk about it. We'll move forward. But no doubt that was rigged. I mean, come on. I had... I had the coolest videos, the best music, the most, um, I mean, the most creative ones, obviously, but you know, it's all, it's all good. It's, you know, it was, I would say it was more about, you know, who had the most followers and who, who could. <laughs> well, That's well, no, piggybacking behind that, you know, you, you pulled out the whole Joe exotic enthusiast side of yourself. And, and, right. and here's the question, any, any update on getting the live animals coming in and helping out in training, any update on that? Oh, man, I would love that. We always joke, you know, that on Squat Fest, we're going to have, uh, what, is it Lucille now, the Bearcat at the zoo? Yeah, 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 Lucille, I, yeah. Bring Lucille in and we'll put it in the cage. And then, like, everybody's like, yeah, but once that music on, I'll probably freak out. And I said, <laughs> turn into, uh, like, semi-pro when Dewey the bear gets out of the cage. <laughs> <laughs> you, you you told me you've got some, some you've got new toys now. You've got uh, LED lights around. That's right. Uh, the the entire facility, the, the entire weight room now that you control, uh, the color. The, That's right. Uh, just take it easy on anybody that might be epileptic. <laughs> I could have a squat, <laughs> I could have a squat fest at any time. Um, no, it was great. You know, obviously we were able to do a lot of updates to the weight room. You know, get some new graphics and really put a lot of stuff up that we we've been wanting to do for a long time, but we just never could. And, um, so it's really cool. The guys saw it all today. It was like the first like pop and, you know, they were just happy and blessed and excited. And, you know, again, I always change equipment around in the weight room. I move it. Um, you know, I always want things to feel fresh, to feel new. And, you know, no doubt it was a great, um, environment already, but now it's just enhanced even more. Awesome. Everybody good. All right. Yeah. Coach. I mean, I could go another hour with you, Brady, if you want. <laughs> hey. I got, I got a little bit of time. I don't care. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, I'll call you on the side. I'll get your number from Chad. <laughs> hey, there you go. Awesome. We could do, and, we could do some uh, bi-weekly updates or something like that. We could do that for you. There we go. That'll be fun. That'll be perfect. No doubt. Could, then you'd be recurring guest Brady Collins. And that's always a good, you know, that's good, not an issue. And then you could, you know, you could have it like the task brewing place. So I could enjoy a beverage. Yeah. There we go. Yeah, and we could talk about that. Yeah, we're, working in. I've never been there. We're we're, we're holy ground now. Oh, there you go, Lovino. Yeah, Lovino. Yeah. Better, I've been there. Yeah, we're we're a holy grail company now. We, you know, there you go. That was uh, they were our first ever. Did you know the holy grail used to be in Clifton? 
Did it really? You know where yeah. Hangover Easy is? Oh, yeah. That's that's my staff and I's go-to spot after Matt drills. That used to be the Holy Grail. Did it really? Yeah. Really? So they were our they were our first ever sponsor. We did a a bus trip to the Birmingham Bowl. When, when UC played Southern <laughs> Miss and and Brian Kelly was not officially like in charge yet. Mark D'Antonio's staff was coaching and the whole it was but we did a bus trip down there that was sponsored by the Holy Grail and Budweiser, and it included tickets to the game and a hotel and the bus trip, and everybody on the bus got a case of beer. That sounds like a great trip. Maybe the Holy Grail was over in Delhi, wasn't it? There was a there was a West Side one as well. Yeah. Um, but the funny thing is, almost everybody drank their case of beer on the bus ride to Birmingham. So by the time we got there, everybody had to go out and get more beer for the tailgate the next day. Uh, it was a mess. The bus like ride was style. a mess. Like their style. The bus <laughs> ride was a mess. A lot of down I, the drive, baby. It was party bus. <laughs> Yeah. It was a, it was the party bus. <laughs> Appreciate it coach. And uh, always great catching up with you. Wait, uh, we need wait on all the five guys that were on the, uh, the, the freshmen or the, the youngsters to watch. Watley. Watley. 292. Whoa. How about that? We Beast came in on like two, two seventy, didn't he? Yep. Like two sixty. With the speed still, right? What's that? With the speed and athleticism still, right? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Is he going to get a goal line package one day on offense? I mean, we, we were toying around with the jumbo one in uh bull prep. It was like Curtis Brooks and Marcus Brown in the backfield. Love that. Okay. Wiley played running back in high school. I mean, he's got the, the feet for it. Cleveland Jaheem. Jaheem. Jaheem's 240 pounds. Mm. And he came in at 220, 215? Mm. Two, like 212. Okay. Uh, Sammy Anderson. Sammy's barely 177. He needs to keep growing. Okay. Uh, the Joker, Pace, Deshaun Pace. He's like 222. He's, he'll probably be like a 225-ish guy. David Jones, that was the final one. Oh, he's a he's like 235 rocked up. He's ridiculous. Is he, is he a, mid, a, middle, a middle linebacker or a will linebacker, you think? I think as long as he still moves well and learns, you know, the system and all that stuff, I think he could play anywhere. I think that's what's kind of unique, you know, about really all three of those guys. I mean, I know Pace is more the sniper kind of guy, but, I mean, I've heard many people say, I mean, we have so much, you know, talent and depth. I mean, let's just run a, a four down, a five down, a three down. It, it don't matter. You want two linebackers, four or five. I mean, good Lord. <laughs> <laughs> all right, anyway. man. Thanks. Thanks for jumping on, Brady. We'll talk to you soon. All right. Appreciate you guys. Take care, man. Thanks, guys. All right. See you in two Brady weeks. Collins. There you <laughs> See go. you in two, two weeks. <laughs> Brady Collins, Director of Strength and Performance for the Cincinnati Bearcats. Hey, you guys You guys have now had your first guest. Thanks, Dad. The seal you know, is broken. A, it's, a, it's a number one. He's uh, he's top of the list and only on the list. So, uh, Friend of the show. Big big tip of the cap. Future His recurring levels. His energy levels are always so low. So low. That that he, was yeah, that was clearly obvious and apparent to everyone he's, listening. Here. He's not enthusiastic about the you know the look of this team at all. I, that, that was pretty evident. <laughs> I like no. that he was so so enjoyed it that he uh, invited himself back on in two weeks. That was fantastic. 
I mean, that's the, that's the sign of a good show, right? When the when the the guest invites himself back. We did. I mean, I'm literally going to call Brady after we hang up. I'm going to find out his number. I wouldn't uh, do that to him. You're going to have to get it from somebody else. <laughs> exactly. exactly. I want no part exactly. of that. But hey, you know that was that was awesome. Yet again, Brady Collins, who is the the cream of the crop. I I said it, you know, during during the interview, I, he really is one of the best in the entire country at what he does. And I mean, the fact that he is able to, to, to tell us that straight knowledge that is coming out about this unprecedented off season in the weight room and what they're going to bring. I mean, shoot, this is a, uh, it's a monster piece to the staff that is kind of one of those behind the scenes that we talk about. That's really going to make the team to that next level that they're going to get in 2021. Considering we found out about the special guest about two minutes before we hit record, I'm really happy I was able to come up with questions on the fly. You did so. you did good. Yeah. Thank, thanks, Dad. He, he just sent me a correction. Watley, 282, not 292. Ooh. Hey, still fantastic. Tell him that's goal. Not 292 is the <laughs> new goal. <laughs> still fantastic. But, I I mean, he's, he's a piece to this puzzle that, I, I mean, obviously – Coach Fickle's like right-hand man when it comes to the weight room and, and things of that sort. And, you know, Aaron, you kind of touched on it. He has his fingerprint on all of these future NFL draft picks. He's able to – he was able to mold them into the the size that they are. And, and, you know, James Wiggins obviously is a player that gets mentioned. Derek Forrest is a player that gets mentioned. I mean, these players were – ended up being freaks when they left, and, and he just sounds like he's ushering new ones. I mean, you hear Josh Wiley, and that is uh, – it's going to be a, a fear for opposing defenses when you have a 240, 250-pound Josh Wiley with the, the length and athleticism that he brings. That's that's like – that is LeBron James on the field. That is scary good for the Bearcats at their disposal. So, I'm excited why do you think to I've, see Why do you think I've been beating the tight end drum, man? I know. I know. I know. But, you know, it, what, what Brady Collins does is he brings – light to what we all want to know, but what we don't really have the access to without talking to Brady Collins. And it, it is the, the production of, you know, how, how has Evan Prater done up to this point? You know, the, the fact that he's been able to put on that weight and kind of just get in shape, you know, I, I reach into the BVP mailbag and it's, you know, who's the future Lichtenberger Prater. And I think after that, I think the, the odds on answer with, with with the three pounds on top of his head is you you can't come in, you can't come in with that kind of a ranking though and not expect to be the guy because if you're not the guy that is only going to hurt recruiting people who are ranked that high going forward. I mean, I think it's laid out perfect. I think the staff did a great job of being able to kind of have Desmond Ritter take this step and and be probably above what they projected at this point. And then that did happen with with the whole Ben Bryant situation and him having to, you know, electing to transfer. And I think you kind of see Evan Prater waiting in the wings, of course. And then you do have a Lichtenberg who, if he is able to stick through, is going to know the playbook front to back when his time does come. When Evan Prater, if he if he hopefully is able to perform to the level that he was ranked, maybe it is Evan Prater going to the NFL early. With, with a couple of fantastic seasons at the helm for the Bearcats. So, you know, I, I think it's going to be Evan Prater future, but hey, you know what? It could be a twofold answer. Maybe it's Lichtenberg future as well after Prater moves on. 
Uh, well, and you've certainly seen situations where the guy ended up getting injured, um, where you saw guys like um, Calero step in, where they're a little bit different as far as you know scheming goes and that kind of thing. But it, you know, we we've seen it happen. So they they do. I mean, Chad's brought it up before on the podcast where they go for the mobile quarterback versus the pocket passer. And they, they do that right. r- roughly every other year. So, yep. So I think it's lined up. I mean, they're lining it up exactly how they want to. Uh, next, thank you to, to Burr Cat Brian, BR Cat Brian. Thank you for that one. Uh, UC Merck again, 17, comes with who will be your pick for the third consecutive true freshman All American for next year? I kind of revealed my hand already on this one with Coach Brady Collins. And I, I believe it's going to be Mason Fletcher. You know, it's uh, the best ability is availability. And this is this 2021 football team is ranking up to be one that is just completely loaded at almost every position. The, the only other outside shot would be if a tackle comes in so beyond readiness to the point that they are able to slide in at the left or right tackle position, you know, maybe a Luke Collinsworth or things like that. I think, Mason Fletcher, if he's able to come in and just have a good season, a great season, I think he's got to be one of the best true freshmen in the country. I'm honestly very interested in seeing what Drew Donnelly has to do on the field. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I think that's – I don't know that's necessarily my true freshman All-American, um, but I think that he might be the biggest impact true freshman. Um, just kind of looking at what the guys who have stepped away from the receiving room – the guys who are coming back to the receiving room and just kind of knowing some of the pieces that we have come in this next season. I think Drew Donnelly's got a, a very good shot at being potentially the slot guy. Um, I'd be interested to see him and Trey Tucker go one-on-one in a race. He's an outside guy for sure. <laughs> he is. He's six, two already one seventy. He'll be one eighty-five. He's he, he, with his speed and size, my guess is he'll start behind. He'll start out in that behind, same spot Pierce is in. Behind Pierce, and as yeah. long as Pierce remains healthy the entire season. But, I mean, that that could be a spot where, you know, yeah. if Pierce does get dinged up, you could see Donnelly work. Because if anybody gets a, a, a go in that slot position, it's going to be Will Pauling. Okay. Because that's a kid in the slot that has I'm just thinking bit. that speed, though, like that speed is insane. Yeah, but generally you're smaller – shiftier guys or your slot guys i get it Don, donley's more of the deep deep threat speed guy he's not really a short area quickness guy where pauling is very much a short area quickness you know can get the, the slot guys are usually the guys that have great feet uh and, and pauling's a guy that's got great feet great you know small area short area quickness Regardless, I think I think Donnelly's probably the guy I'm most excited to see. Okay. Yeah, field. I'm not I'm not doubting that. I'm just you probably won't see him in the slot just because of his size. He projects to an outside guy. Gotcha. Um, I, I think it, the interesting thing for me is there is not really a guy that has jumped up and claimed that spot behind Majay as the right. edge rusher of the future. Is that guy Zaqui Lawton or what? Well, Watley probably projects more to like the uh, the, well, I the Elijah, the Elijah Ponder. What, what, what I what you're looking for in that the replacement for Maje, you're looking for length, 
I only bring that up because I only bring that up because Brady Collins brought it up. Yeah, but I, Wiley is more of a, a a strong side or a you know a boundary strong side end, um, where Maje is more of that rush end, that weak side end. Uh, I think Lawton has a chance there. I, I wouldn't be surprised to see Robert Jackson have a chance there. I think that's a spot where you could have a freshman jump up into the two deep. Now, the reality is Maje is probably going to play. 70% of the snaps just because he's too good to take off the field. Yeah. But I do think one of those young guys can work themselves possibly into the rotation uh, as the heir apparent to that spot. Now, freshman All-American, probably not because Maje is going to get so much of the bulk of those snaps. But that's going to be one, especially as we get to camp, I'm going to be interested to see. You'll get a, a an idea pretty early in camp, I think, who Greg Scruggs uh, – has his eye on as that replacement because they they're going to have to have it. I mean, this is, this is it for my well, So you, going into 2022, you're going to have to have that guy ready. The question I have for you though, is, you know, we, we didn't see, I, I mean, I don't know that anybody necessarily saw Renfro taken over uh, given the incumbent that was there at center. And so, I, I mean, do you see somebody just kind of making that type of jump? Uh, what I will tell you there is while it might not have been seen outside the program, there were a lot of people inside the program that, that felt like Renfro could be a guy that if needed could make an impact right away. You just don't see that for offensive linemen, but there were quite a few people, uh, that felt like he was ready coming in. Um, now I, I don't think they envisioned it playing out, you know, exactly the way that it did. Sure. But there was definitely a lot of faith in Renfro that if we need him, he's going to be ready to go. Um, I don't think you'll get word on that until we get a little farther into this thing. Yeah. Uh, you know, get a couple more, you know, weeks of workouts in to see who's really standing out. And then when the other guys join in the summer, um, heading into camp, you'll start to get a feel for that. Brian threats is going to be interesting to me because I think there is upward mobility there at safety. Um, you know, you've got your, your top three guys really in Hicks and cook and dingle. But after that, there's not really a lot ahead of them. And you've got a couple guys that I think that could, that could be impact guys at safety threats is just a, a phenomenal athlete. DBs and, and is kind of where we're traditionally dinged up the most, though, too, yeah? Where? DBs. Yeah, I mean, some, you know, Sauce, knock on wood, Sauce hasn't been. Derek Forrest was never really dinged up. Kobe, as he said, is, has been an every practice, every day guy. Now, Bush has had some issues with his foot. You had the, the problems with Wiggins uh, getting hurt. So yeah, I guess you could say like that has been the you know where it where they've had it hit more than either probably or, anywhere else. Either that or halfback. Halfback would probably and that that's just a given. You yeah. know, you're gonna take a lot of wear and tear. Sure. It was cool to hear uh, Coach Collins Brady talk about Chuck already being back, working out, looking great. So I, I did like that too. So that was uh, that's something that shouldn't go overlooked. But yeah, Chad, like you said, Lawton was the. Uh, was one player when when sauce on twitter said who's next lawton quickly said 
I'm next. So there you go. Take take that for what it's worth. But I mean, I think if I think the easiest answer would be Mason Fletcher, just because he has a direct path to the most playing time. And I don't know how many true freshman punters there are out there that are going to have the ability to step in and and you know perform at a high level. And there the is, a, is yeah. If the if the offense hums, how much do they punt? Yeah, no, yeah, that. But kind of the fact of of what Jimmy Smith was able to do is kind of put put some light to the special teams. Yeah, but but the Cincinnati. point being, the point yeah. being that that team was four and eight. Jimmy's first team, he right. punted a lot, a lot. That I, offense did not move the ball very efficiently. Jimmy, he was Jimmy got his second foot on team a lot this year, balls. right? Was he second team this year? Yeah, not a so lot, but a lot, goes. a lot. Yeah, a lot, a lot. Yes, a lot, a lot. You could say. And that by the way, we, we can Brady confirmed that Jawan Briggs is here. Uh, I also love that com- too. Also confirmation that James Tunstall is here, enrolled and uh, working out with the team. There you go. Lock and load is what they like to say. So um, is Lawton going to be one of those guys that we stop referring to him as Lawton and just Z? I mean, he's going to be like a Madonna type character where it's just Sakai, right? Not Z. It was it was Z thirty three, right? Yeah, that's his nickname, Z thirty three. I think I think we'll just be referring to it by he'll he'll be even more than Madonna. He's just going to be one letter Z. Ooh, all right, I like that. Roll I'm with in. That. All in. <laughs> Not quite a symbol like Prince, but Z. Z. So um, next question real quick. When does practice practice start and end? We don't have those dates yet. Um, last week was March 7th was the, the, the start of last year. practice. What? You yeah, said last, last week, last year. Yeah, last year. Last year was uh, March 7th. Last, last week was not March 7th. Last week was like, what, mid-January? I, I think, yeah. yeah, something like that. So uh, last uh, last week was January twenty third. Oh, because wow. every two days feels like a week. It now. does. It really Absolutely. does. <laughs> what a what a what a month this week has been. What a uh, what a year. <laughs> what a year this month has been. Right? Jeez. I think, um, I think we've got our title. Yeah. Yeah. What what a week this month has been. But but really. Uh, no, what a month this week has been. Oof. What a month this week has been. So, Speaking of, <laughs> yeah, what is the culture like within the basketball program right now? And what can we know about the outside? Uh, or what can we – What I don't even – that's not even English the way it was it's on the, the sheet in front of me. We know what we can see from the outside, but what about within? Well, well, first off, the answer to that spring practice question is we have no clue. Uh this is an unprecedented, weird circumstance. So stay posted. Obviously, in a perfect world, there would be able to let some sort of fans in, but this is not a perfect world right now. Generally, uh, and not generally, every year that Luke has been here, spring practice has started the week before spring break. Right. They do three practices, go on spring break, come back, and do the rest. Yeah. Right now, everything is still – kind of a work in progress um you're not going to commit to organizing anything right now when you don't know what the future holds so if i had to guess it'll start you know it'll it'll be the the same schedule it has always been which is the week before spring break practice will start they'll be off for spring break and then when they return uh they'll go four straight weeks 
yeah. Um, yeah. three times a week for the rest of the spring. So we'll see on that. That is my, my general understanding. Um, if it changes, I will let you guys know as soon as I get word on what those changes are. But right now, everything is in pencil. So I'm, you know, very much nothing is that. nothing is in pen. Keep the eraser handy. Right. Uh, but yeah, so back to that culture question within the basketball program. I mean, shoot, <laughs> no one knows um, unless you are a player or a coach. I, I mean, we saw Coach Brandon did cancel the – well, not Coach Brandon canceled the presser, but the presser was canceled. He was on his uh, – on the radio show tonight. I believe he Which said – Which I was supposed well. to be listening to, but I'm here with you, Yahoos. Hey, you're the best. Thanks, Dad. Thanks, Dad. But uh, John Brandon did say we've had one full team practice since January 10th when we played Wichita State. And, went, and then we've had several small group and one-on-one workouts – that we were medically cleared for. So not much going on, but if, if you are a follower of social media, it seems like the team is pretty connected with each other just based off of the, the likes and the happiness that they have amongst each other. But outside of that, man, <laughs> can't really tell much unless have to see. Chad twirls his uh, insider and, and is able to get that drone hovering over every single room available. There's um, no more wiffle ball though, right? <laughs> they haven't been in a they've been in a gym together once it's safe to say <laughs> the wiffle ball season is also on pause <laughs> I, not sure how many yeah not sure if they could squeeze it into the one practice they had but you know wait and see just like everything uh any transfer names for 2021 grad or multi-year guys would you rather get lineup help or depth for your current roster i think you need both um lineup help of course in the front court would be Utmost importance heading into next season, it seems. You need, um, you need a quick big man. Yeah, get a get a rim protector, which I which you you've seen they've gone after offering yeah. a few, um, you know, junior college and and another sort. You know, I think obviously you look. John Brand is not going to mention that he wants to find two and three year transfers, and then just simply not really go through through the depths of finding those players that he mentioned. So well, I think if any year though, this is the year to find a transfer, right? Yeah. Right. Right. So I look for that. I, I don't think unless Chad has some magical name, he could pull out. Um, I think obviously look for maybe two front court guys, maybe one, a grad transfer proven, maybe another one with, with a couple of years left in, in his you know system to uh, to adapt and go, but yeah, I think front court definitely needed. I think back court you can focus on the depth more, and and kind of get a you know maybe the one high school recruit that that, that they want to go for. Building off we're of this, at, we're, yeah. at, we're yeah. at the point I'd avoid grad transfers like a global pandemic. Okay, yeah. Building, building off we, of this, though, we haven't Chad, done quite well on those. I, I have a question for you, Chad. Do you think we see Chris vote back because nobody loses a year of eligibility this year? Correct. Yeah, I may. I don't know. So, do you, do you think there's a possibility of Chris Vogt being back? I, I, a possibility, yeah. Um, I don't know. Kevin Garnett, uh, anything is possible. <laughs> it's too. It's too early. To, I mean, especially with as crazy as everything's been, it, right. it's too early to. And the problem is, if I answer, uh, then people take that answer as gospel and hold Fair me enough. to it. Sorry. Um, and, and the answer is I, I I don't know at this point. I mean, it, it, is it possible? 
yeah, it's possible. Is it likely? I don't know that I would go that far. Uh, but it, it is something that's definitely on the table. Just curious. Sorry to put you in that place. I shouldn't do that. No, it's fine. I just, I, I just have to be careful with my. I get it. My words, because some people take them more serious than they are intended to be taken. Sometimes. <laughs> and then, last but not least, for you guys, uh, a debate over the best Clifton area pregame spots, not named the Holy Grail Banks. Well, we were also supposed to have a deal with Mio's this year that got kind of kind of pushed back. That's my favorite the, spot. Because of the global pandemic. We were going to do um, we were going to do tailgates, pregame tailgates, yeah. uh, every home game with like a, a live on-site uh, podcast, like a pregame show, and we were going to make Red Helms beer actually become a thing and have beer, Red Helms beer specials on tap and we had big plans at Mio's and the pandemic kind of uh, derailed those plans, but they did not derail our connection with Mio's. And in case you're, that's where the connection with Mio's came in when we did the, uh, the food for all the, the pizza for all the, Frontliners, uh, back at the beginning of the pandemic, Mio's was our partner for that. Uh, we will 1,000% be partnering with Mio's uh, going into the future. So the the answer from me is Mio's. There you go. Gosh, such whether, a great answer. Whether it's actually at Mio's or even in the back parking lot for football games, um, I, I've enjoyed all of it around Mio's regular area. Um, as opposed to the grid, uh, the grid, the grid, while it's, it's fun, I feel like you need to actually know people at the grid to be able to just walk into a, uh, tailgate. So that's, that's my two cents there. Um, not you should people, walk around with me. Not that people aren't unwelcome. I mean, not that people aren't welcoming cause that's not the case. I, I, I do want to say that people are very welcoming if you do try and step into their tailgate, but it's just uh, a different atmosphere if you're just walking in. And well, and, unless you're walking around with me and then you know everybody exactly exactly a couple that i have mentioned in a, a group chat when i raised it because i i live in indianapolis when i used to attend games i would try and get there early enough to maybe pound a, a couple of tasty bevies and then proceed into the game now it is straight get there go to media room a little bite to eat a little chit chat with chad and friends and then head in and uh, work on the game. But before dive bar is one that comes to mind, I've had time at there. I, I'm not sure how big or how famous it is, but dive bar was fun the few times I was there. Uh, and then let's see here. Top cats. I went there before the crosstown shootout a couple of seasons ago when uh, the, the Bearcats took it to Xavier at home, the last win that they had in that rivalry. So that was a lot of fun. But, you know, I, I want to go back to the days where the basketball games were at NKU and, and give a shout-out to that to that Billy Skyline Tavern right there on campus. Man, that was that was a fun place to go real quick before the game and walk in. But my number one choice right now is going to be Mio's. And if I'm feeling super awesome, I will be heading to Holy Grail Banks. There you go. 
signed, sealed, delivered. Boom. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I mean, plenty of options there. Of course, walking around in the grid with Chad, Aaron, I did that all last season. No, you During, didn't, because last season there wasn't anything well, in the well, grid. Well, you know what I meant. Two seasons ago, whatever. My, my entire point about walking through the grid with Chad is I've not been afforded that opportunity. I've only been on the beat since right. September. So, yep. well, well, you walk through the grid, but then you go up on the top of, uh, of the, the green garages, I believe. And you say hello to Dave Simone and his family and uh, get, get some tasty food there. And then you walk back on the grid and, and all the BCJ members, thank you for giving hellos to Chad and, and nice meeting everyone that I was able to in the process. Can't wait until that happens again. Hopefully it is this upcoming year, Aaron. Let's pray that it is. I can't wait until they're all calling him dad, just Ooh. like we do. Oh, maybe the uh, the next evolution of, of old Chad Brendel. Not dad daddy, Brendel. because that's when it just be, gets weird. But We call it dad Brendel. Dad know? Brendel, I'm good with. <laughs> but yet again, you know, hey, thank you guys for the questions. Uh, a shout out to you, see Merck, Burkett Brian, Bearcat Dude, Dave Sullivan, DMOC55, CDS86. Keep them coming. Hopefully, it is a thing we do week in and week out. But I think it's about time to wrap it all up. Unless you've got anything else to talk about, Aaron, yet again, I we're going to have another week next week where, unless something crazy happens, we're going to have another wide open full talking forum. Next week again on the BBP. There's a couple things I did want to bring up before we go. Yes. Uh, first and foremost being Luke Fickle's name coming up with Tennessee because we never got to touch on that before we moved out of football. And I think that's fair to talk about because we are all feeling in a much better place than we were last year around this time. Bear in mind, it did come in February when Luke Fickle's name was being tossed around, kicked around, however you want to say it, uh, with Michigan State. But I think we all feel a lot better right now with this opening. I'm not sweating it. <laughs> yeah. I, basically, the report was uh, Tennessee has interest in Luke Fickle. The answer to that is, uh, of course they do. That does not mean that Luke Fickle has interest in Tennessee. There's not a very good history of Cincinnati coaches going to Tennessee and it all working out, right? That's what Actually, I Actually, if, if you look... He's the best coach they've had in like 15 years. What does that say? <laughs> Doesn't it say says, much. Says, says but, uh, a lot of interesting things. But yeah, we, we touched on it. Danny White there makes a lot of sense why Luke Fickle will be thrown in. Because when you take down UCF and break some certain, you know, streaks and records that UCF has, the AD of UCF will then be like, dang on, that Luke Fickle, he is something else. So that makes a lot of sense. And, of course, Luke Fickle is on the top of everyone's wish list when a slot does come open for the most part. So, But like Chad said, I'm not sweating. Aaron, you're right. We are we are in no, uh, no looking at shoes mode unless you want to buy some and uh, wear them to work tomorrow. I, th I think my favorite thing to come out of the Butch Jones, Tennessee uh, era, if you will, is still uh, the YouTube video where I don't know if you've seen this this song about Butch Jones, but it's a, it's a hillbilly who's just like Butch Jones. He's gonna kick your ass. He's gonna kick your face, and it's hilarious. Bite your kneecaps off, and then when we get pushed back down, <laughs> we're gonna get up and bite your other kneecap off. <laughs> it's really funny. Uh, the other thing I want to bring up is uh, Ethan Tucky long snapping. What are your thoughts on that? Love it. 
Love it. As as Jimmy Smith said on the BCJ pod this past week, versatility is primo in the NFL. Not as many slots available. So if you have someone that can long snap, go down and be aggressively get you a tackle, can potentially do pretty doggone well on punt return as well. I think that is a, a, a player making a business decision. You do what you got to do, right? Yeah, doing doing what it takes to get to that. So I, I think Ethan Tucky, as a long snapper, like sign me up. If he can get that snap down, which is not easy. Well, especially if you can have him on special teams as like a guy coming from the outside. He's done very well in special teams coming from the outside to block field goals and what have you, punts, the whatever. Kembe Mutombo of the Bearcats special teams. No, Chaos. No, no. Chaos. No, yeah, it's, it's just a great business decision. Just I, like I, us having Brady Collins on the pot. I appreciate it. I mean, Brad St. Louis made an entire career in Cincinnati doing the same thing, so kudos. Yeah. I, I think it's a great move. But anything else out of you two guys? Nope. Those are two things I had. All right. Well, hey, another fantastic BBP. Nothing on the schedule as far as games, but we'll have plenty more to talk about a week from tonight. Yet again, for Aaron Smith, Chad Brendel, thank you very much again to Brady Collins, our special guest. I am Brent Young. This is the BBP on BearcatJournal.com. Yeah.